and foreordained from the foundation of the world to walk in these leadership. This this is leadership. When you have this kind of authority and power in your life from God, this is leadership. This is the prophet. This is the prophetess. This is the apostle. Because the Lord said in Ephesians 2 and 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. This is not the gift of prophecy. And I explained this. Uh, there's a lot of people in a local church. But if you have anybody that's got gifts of the Spirit, nine times out of ten, what you're going to have? Tongues, prophecy, and interpretation. That's what you're going, that's what you're going to see operating in a church. And if it's that, then it's the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy are two entirely different things. The spirit of prophecy is what the prophets have spoken by since the foundation of the world. They prophesy major events. They prophesy uh, what's facing the church, what the church is going through, what the church is going to face, what people need to do. That is the ministry of a true prophet or prophetess or prophesying what people need to do to come into deliverance. You understand what I'm saying? It's not me coming to you and putting my hands on you and ministering to you one-on-one. That's the gift of prophecy. That will operate in a local church. The spirit of prophecy will operate in a big area among several churches. You understand what I'm saying? And besides that, the Bible says, and I believe it's in 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and verse 4, said prophecy edifies the church. It's not one-on-one. That's the gift of prophecy that edifies one-on-one. The spirit of prophecy edifies the church or the body as a whole. Am I making sense? And there's nobody ever explained the difference between the gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy. Because a lot of people have the gift of prophecy. People say, well, they're, they're called to be a prophet. No, not necessarily. The gift in the ministry of a prophet or a prophetess comes with great responsibility. Comes with great, just like the apostle, comes with great responsibility. When the Lord spoke to me on April the 11th of 2015 that he had chosen me to be an apostle, buddy, I tell you, I felt like the world sat on my shoulders because I'm responsible for people and what I teach. And matter of fact, we were up in, uh, we were up in LJ here in 2012 and we had drove up the hill behind the Walmart and headed down a road and we were looking for a place to have church and we were riding down the road and man I just groaned and I told my wife I said my god I said I just felt 20,000 pounds sit on my shoulders she said why I said the Lord just spoke to me everything Paul went through where he talked about I believe it's the first Corinthians maybe no, second Corinthians 11 where he talked about all the beatings, the imprisonment, the shipwrecks, everything he went through. And he said, besides all this, he said, I have the care of all the churches on me daily. I said, I just felt the care of all the churches daily set down on my shoulders. And that was in 2012. I'm not trying to lift myself up, but there are churches now. I work with a lot of different churches to try to keep them on point, in doctrine, following the truth, revealing things that God reveals to me. and so, all right, right here, we have all heard it preached about a restoring of the Holy Ghost. But what are people expecting? If I tell you, or if somebody says, man, we, we came out of a service where God just poured out the Holy Ghost. 
you go back and look at that service or they start talking about that service, there's two things happen. The Spirit of God failed and moved people and they talked in tongues. Other than that, nothing else happened. Man, God poured out His Spirit. Or go out the door and man, we had church tonight. Know what I'm talking about? Said, y'all know what I'm talking about? But, as a whole, nothing really changed. So, God is saying here, I'm opening a mystery to you. I'm revealing a secret that I've kept from the foundation of the world. That when I begin to pour out this spirit, like I said, I will pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. He said, that ain't going to be this little shout and talk in tongues. This is going to be the spirit of Moses. This is going to be the spirit that dwelt in Elijah. This is going to be the spirit of prophecy, which is, according to Revelation 19, is the testimony of Jesus Christ, or it's the witness that Christ lives in here. He said, this is the spirit that I'm pouring out. People aren't hearing this preached. They aren't hearing that there's coming forth an army of believers. You remember when I taught on the two witnesses? I told y'all, Lord told me it was two companies. It wasn't two men. It was two companies. Y'all remember that? There's your sons and your daughters. You got two companies. Some of them going to go in the spirit of Moses. Some of them going to go in the spirit of Elijah. Some of them going to go in both. The spirit of prophecy, which is in Jesus, is going to be included in there. What stood on the Mount Transfiguration with Jesus was Moses and Elijah. All three, the spirit of prophecy. Okay, all three leadership ministries. And they're going to have power and they're going to speak signs in the heavens above, wonders in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Is that what the Lord said he was going to pour out was going to happen in in Joel 2? Okay, these things ain't just going to happen. Somebody's going to speak them. You think of somebody standing and speaking like Moses spoke, against the 250 sons of Korah, and he told all the people, get up away from them. There was Dathan, uh, Dathan, Abraham, and Korah, and all their families, their tents, their cattle, and everything, and Moses said, get away from them. If you don't get away from them, you're going to be consumed with them. Moses spoke and said, if God just smites these people, he said, God ain't spoke by me, but if God does a new thing, opens the earth up, swallows them up, and closes the earth back over them, you know, God spoke by me. God's chosen me. So, that's the kind of spirit. The kind of spirit's fixing to call fire down on the companies of 50, where they come out to Elijah and said, come here, boy. King wants you. Fire, burn them all up. Second company of 50 come out. Said, Elijah, the king wants you. Fire, burn them all up. Third company of 50 come out there, the Fella kind of took his hat in his hand, got on his knees, said, Look, man, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> said, Be merciful to us. That is Second uh, Kings, first chapter. Let's see if I can find it real quick. It should be Second Kings, the very first chapter, toward the end of it. So, and this is what I want y'all to understand. Huh? Starting in verse, yeah, and Elijah answered to him, if I be a man of God, and he went all the way through the first company of 50, second company of 50. And when the third company come out there, the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, go down with him and be not afraid. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. So what I want you all to understand is this spirit that was in Elijah, the spirit that was in Moses, 
is now going to be revealed. And I'm talking about quick in our day to the people that God has prepared and chosen for this. And we've got to be ready for it. And this generation is not ready for somebody to step up there like Elijah and speak the word of the Lord and an earthquake happened and killed 20 or 30,000. They're not ready for it. But they're fixing to see it. They're fixing to see it because God is impressed on me strong that this spirit is being poured out. It is being poured out. And I'll get this prophecy transcribed from the house on December the 9th, and it speaks about these things. It speaks about this is what God's doing. This is where God's taking us. And this is where we've got to channel ourselves to be prepared that God is going to speak to us and we can't be afraid and we can't worry what God's doing because there's going to be persecution. If I go down here on the uh, courthouse steps in Elijah and the Spirit of the Lord comes on me and he tells me to go down there and stand and prophesy and I prophesy and what I speak comes to pass and it causes death, calamity, or destruction, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be despised. But then at the same time, there's going to be people of God that love me. But you stop and think, if I stand on uh, steps of courthouse in L.A.J., and I say it'll come to pass before the end of three days that God's going to send an earthquake, bust L.A.J. open, and God destroys half of downtown L.A.J., then y'all understand what I'm saying? You say, well, is God, yeah, God's going to do this because he said, by the spirit of Moses, by the spirit of Elijah, and when Moses gathered in, and it's in the study notes from the last time we were here uh, on the spirit of prophecy, December the, no, uh, somewhere I had it here. Yes, I believe it was December the, well, it wouldn't have been the 9th uh, because we weren't here on the 9th. I think I had prepared these notes for the 9th and we didn't get to come because of a, they said there was going to be bad roads. Uh, That was the last time we were here was this it? And we could have studied them on the 17th since we wasn't here on the 9th. But anyway, uh, this spirit of prophecy from December the 9th, I made the notes on, that's where the Lord spoke to me. Early that morning, he walked in the trailer. was up the road here about a mile. He walked in the trailer at 3.30 in the morning. I heard the audible voice of the Lord speak. He said, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then when I got up and started moving around, went down the computer, I searched some scripture. The Lord took me out in the spirit. I saw Moses, and I saw him withstand the sons of Korah, the 250. Did you know that when God opened the earth up, he took out Korah, Datham, and Abiram, and all their families, kids, cattle, everything pertaining to them, went down the earth. He sealed it back up. But the 250 men that had followed him, that the Bible says was men of renown, everybody in the camp of Israel knew them, God sent fire out and consumed them. What did God say? Pillar of fire, vapor of smoke. You have a volcano. You have pillar of fire. You have vapor of smoke. God shuts the heavens up that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Elijah done that. God smites the earth with plagues as often as they will. Moses done that. So this is the spirit of Moses. This is the spirit of Elijah. And God said by the birthing of this spirit, it's going to bring forth the power of the two witnesses. The companies of these two, it's not two men. I'm telling you, it's not two men. I don't have the full revelation of all of it yet, but what God has showed me, this is two anointings, because he said in Zechariah, this is the two anointed ones that stand before the God of the whole earth. So it's their spirit 
of Elijah, spirit of Moses. And the Lord said, if any man will hurt them, fire will proceed out of their mouths, and they must in this manner be killed. So you go back and you start looking, uh, and you look at what he said uh, when he was revealing this, when Joel was revealing this spirit. He said, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And the Lord told Moses, I believe it's in Numbers 12, he said, if there be a prophet among you, I will speak to him by dreams and visions. So there's your spirit of prophecy. There's your spirit of prophecy. I will speak to them by dreams and visions. But he also went on and said that if a man has dreams and visions and they come to pass and he tries to turn you away from the true and the living God, don't believe him because he's operating by spirit of divination. He's operating by spirit of witchcraft. Huh? I said if somebody speaks a prophecy or a dream and it comes to pass and they try to turn you from the truth, you can't believe them because they're operating by spirit of divination. They're operating by spirit of witchcraft. That's in the Word. The Lord, uh, I believe it's in Deuteronomy 13, and it's also, I think, in Numbers 12, that the Lord said you can't believe them. They've got to tell you, let's follow the true and the living God. Let's stay with the truth. And that's what we're going to face in these last days. We're going to face false prophets, false Christ, coming with signs and wonders. The Bible said they deceived the very elect, if possible, even calling fire down from heaven. Right? So you can't believe that just because they have a sign. It's got to be the revealing of the Christ in us. His manifestation, his gifts, his loves, his works, his power. We've got to have that leadership, that mind of Christ. And this thing's coming together as a body. It, by the fruit. Yep. There is a, there's a big difference between having a knowledge of God and knowing God. And a lot of people have a knowledge of God, but they don't have that relationship in prayer. Right. They're not going to have the fruit of the Spirit. Exactly. Right. And that's you, where it's like the fellowship is so hard to It's close. It's meant to deceive. Somebody gives you two $100 bills and one of them's counterfeit and your eye ain't trained, you'll never see it. You'll never see it. So you've got to have a trained eye, and that comes by the Spirit of God. It comes by relationship. It comes by prayer. It comes by walking in that realm of the Spirit. It comes by staying. And I know in this last prophecy, the Lord spoke that he was fixing to penetrate the very innermost being of his people and bring a conception of the Son of God, just like he did in Mary's womb in the natural. So there's got to be an intimacy. There's got to be a coming together. There's got to be a oneness. And it only comes by the Spirit of God. But I want to iterate and really emphasize that it's not going to be just another outpouring of the Holy Ghost where people are going to jerk and shout and talk in tongues. God is pouring this spirit into people that he's prepared to take into this ministry because God's just not going to pour out the Holy Ghost for you to jerk and shout and talk in tongues. 
This is going to be our sons and our daughters prophesying. And what are they going to prophesy? Signs in the heavens above. Wonders in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and pillar of smoke. They're going to prophesy these things. They're going to stand. And I was telling uh, Lisa yesterday, uh, I said years ago when I was on the evangelistic field, I said the Lord showed me that people would go into a town preaching the gospel and it would be like the town didn't receive them. And that vessel stood and said, to show you that I'm a God before the sun comes up in the morning, an earthquake's going to happen. Or before the sun goes down tonight, this is going to happen to show you that God is with me. And God's going to bring that word to pass. See, we've never had calamity in this country where earthquakes killed 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people like they've had overseas because God's hand has protected this nation. God's no longer protecting this nation. He's not protecting this nation. He's withdrawing his hand because of sin. And we're fixing to see some great sorrows and great calamities and great judgments and great troubles. But it's going to take it to turn people's heart back to God. It's going to take it. And uh, the Lord uh, spoke in the prophecy. Uh, Y'all all know our 41st president, George Bush, died. And... Brother Michael Harris, our pastor in Fort Payne, he had seen, matter of fact, he called me almost a year ago. He said, Brother Metter, I was in prayer, and he said, I saw the elder President Bush die. And he said, the Lord told him it was a sign of a great move of God fixing to come forth in our nation. And uh, then we had a brother that we worked with in his church down in Jasper, Alabama, not Georgia, but Alabama. And... I had called him almost a year ago and told him his dad was a minister. I used to work in ministry and some revivals with him. His dad was a praying man, dedicated man, really loved God. And I told him, I said, your dad's getting ready to pass. Well, uh, right after George Bush passed, I think they had his funeral Friday or Saturday. Well, this brother died Sunday. And the Lord said that both of these was a sign. One was to the nation. One was to the church that a dispensation had come to an end and a new dispensation and a new generation was coming forth. And they even said that about former President Bush on the news that there would never be another gentleman or politician or soldier of his caliber in this lifetime that acted like he acted or had the, the gentleness, the rapport. The, I mean, I heard him say it. They said it's like the passing of a generation. And that's what the Lord told me. It's the passing of a generation. It's the passing of a dispensation. When this brother passed, that was from the old move, what I've been like, what your mom and dad and them was raised in. He told me, uh, I don't know how many I was in the service, but the Lord told me this dispensation has come to an end. I saw a big freight train, the old steam locomotives. It was going down the tracks wide open, just billowing steam out behind it, and it started slowing down. Just kept slowing down and slowing down and, sl and then saw it come to a dead stop on the track. And the Lord said, this dispensation, this generation is dead. He said, I'm not going to move that way anymore. He said, it's over. I'm bringing my people into a new dispensation and I'm bringing forth a new generation. He said, what I used to do, he said, I'm not going to do anymore. He said, I'm, I'm doing something new. Do y'all remember me bringing that out? It was in some of the notes. I mean, he just died. He just stopped on the tracks. And God said, it's dead. It's dead. I'm not going to move that way anymore. And when God moved 
from Moses to Joshua, he changed the way he moved. He changed the way he moved. When I had that visitation in 98 where I saw Joshua, saw him standing on the banks of Jordan, and the word of the Lord spoke to him and said, Moses, my servant is dead. When he said that, I turned in the vision, and they had the tabernacle set up. Didn't matter where they set the tabernacle up at God's command, the pillar of cloud was there, or the pillar of fire was there if it was night. When I looked at the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud wasn't there. Did you know from that time forward, the pillow of cloud was never seen over the tabernacle again? The pillow of fire was never seen over the tabernacle again. God led them by that pillow of cloud by day. He led them by that pillow of fire by night. That pillow of cloud stopped, they stopped. If the pillow of fire, whenever it was, the pillow of fire started moving at 3 o'clock in the morning, they had to break camp and move with it. They were led by the working of the Spirit by the pillow of cloud by day, by the pillow of fire by night. But when it stopped, you think about Joshua. Joshua had, had labored with Moses. He started as one of his young men and labored with him for 40 years. So here he was. He knew the word of Moses. He knew the leadership of the pillar of cloud. He knew the leadership of the pillar of fire. So on that day that the Lord spoke to him, said, Joshua, my servant, I mean Moses, my servant is dead. What was Joshua going to follow? Everything he knew to be God, every leadership, every instinct, everything he had learned for 40 years to be God. Wasn't there no more. Wasn't there. He had to learn God in a new way. He had to learn the leadership of the Spirit. We've got to learn the leadership of the Spirit of God in a new way. That's the reason if when you're in prayer, Sister Labriska, and you know that working of the Spirit of God, you know that Spirit of prophecy. You know when it comes on you, trespass it. Let God begin to work something new in you, and He'll take you into a deeper revelation and understanding of that Word. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of times we get in prayer, and we'll feel the Spirit of God working. And there are tongues that we will speak in, or we get a certain feeling on us. And because it's familiar and we're comfortable with it, we'll flow with it. Press past it. Don't let it take you the way it usually takes you. Press past it and wait. God will take you into something different. God will take you into a different prayer language. He'll take you into a different depth of the Word, a different working of the Spirit, a di different working of the gift of the Spirit. And if it's the gift of prophecy, which you do have that gift, the Lord may want to take you into the spirit of prophecy, which is totally different from the gift of prophecy. So just learn to wait in the presence of God. And if you're in a service and it's meant for that Word to be spoke, it will cycle back around. But if it's not, see, there's a certain feeling that comes in a service when God wants to speak. God will let everything get quiet. He'll let everything get still. In other words, he'll prepare the hearts of the people for that word. So just wait. And if it's really the mind of God, it may be 10, 15, 20 minutes. But just wait. God ain't in no hurry. There's many times in a service that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to me. And that spirit of prophecy is there, and I know it's there, and I know God's talking to me, that I will wait. And the reason I will wait, I will weigh it out. And a lot of times I will see if God's going to use somebody else because I want other people to grow. It's not just me. It's not all about me. It's about this gift coming forth in other people's lives. And there's a lot of times I'll wait 15 or 20 minutes and just let the spirit of God move and cycle through the congregation. And God will move on different people. 
Sometimes somebody else will speak. Sometimes they won't. But if that thing comes back around to me and I feel that feeling, the word of the Lord will begin to come forth. It'll begin to come forth. But I always wait and I try the Spirit because you can't get in yourself. You can't get in yourself in things. And y'all will hear me say from time to time, this is what I feel. And I can tell you what I feel. It may not ever happen. But if I ever tell you, this is thus saith the Lord, but you, you can take it to the bank. I mean, you can take it to the bank. I remember we had we used, we had uh, service at Sister Kathy's house on Friday night before we got this building. And it was Friday night, one night after service, and I looked at Sister Deborah. I said, God fix and bless you financially. I mean, you fix and get blessed financially. That's Friday night. Saturday morning, they got a check for several thousand dollars. The next morning, the next morning. It may, Sister Deborah already believed in the word that was in me, but that, that made a difference. Because, see, I, I told her, I said, God showed me. He fixed and bless you. It wasn't just what I felt. See, I can feel things and be wrong. I have felt things and been wrong. But if I ever tell you, thus saith the Lord, you better write it down. You better write it down because she'll tell you, we've been married almost 37 years. She ain't never seen the spirit miss. If I tell her, this fixing to happen to so-and-so, or God showed me this fixing to happen, or that's fixing to happen, or, you know, a lot of it's about individuals. She'll tell you she's watched it over nearly 37 years. It ain't missed because it's the Spirit of God. Amen. But if I ever tell you just what I feel, it might happen. It might not. Because I'm flesh. I can be wrong. But if I ever weigh it out and wait, and that voice speaks, that's guided me nearly 47 years, see, I, I served in God in full-time ministry. Ten years before we ever met and got married. So I've been in this going into 47 years now. That God has ordered my steps and led me by that spirit. And I had a, a man tell me here a while back. He said, well, Brother Metter, he said, I admire you for the stand you took and what you believe. I said, I have to. I said, it's guided me 46 years and it's never been wrong. So I'm not going to go with what man says. I'm going to go with what God puts in my spirit. And it's guided me. Because when I got saved, the Lord gave me a spirit of prayer. And that spirit of prayer has grown. And I got a little tickled. And you don't mind if I share what no. the Lord told me? No. I got a little tickled at Sister LaBrisca. I was talking to her on the phone here uh, several weeks back. And she said, she told the Lord, she said, Lord, I want that life. And I want that prayer life, Brother Metters got. And she said, Lord spoke back to her said, well, can you pay the price he's paid? I just want the benefits. You did. You did. God will take it your word. He'll take it your word.
Yes, it will. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, when you called me, the Lord showed me that that was a spirit in somebody that attacked you. That was a spirit in the group of people where you gathered that night before. That was a spirit in somebody that attacked and tried to pull you down from where God, where your heart was wanting to take you in God. And it was that warfare. And you got to learn to endure warfare. And it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Yeah. That attack of the mind. I mean, there's a lot of people can endure physical, but that attack of the mind. And I've told people many times, I said, if it was easy to walk with God, in ministry, and come where God wants us to be, everybody could do it, but everybody can't do it because people cannot deal with that warfare of the mind. They've never been conditioned. They've never been schooled. They've never been in the relationship, and that's one thing I try to teach people is how to walk with God and how to cope with this spiritual warfare in the mind because the mind's a battlefield. It's a battlefield. That's the reason, uh, I don't know how long back it was we got that book, uh, what was Battlefield Strategy? Uh, what was the name of it? Plan, Battle Plan Strategy or something like that. But anyway, the way it come about is uh, my oldest daughter, we got her to watch War Room. Have you ever watched War Room? I love that movie. Uh, I'm not a movie watcher, but I went and bought, uh, you know, I got it saved on our DVR. And I will go back probably every couple of months and watch it. Well, our oldest daughter, we got her to watch it. And she got talking to my wife. She said, Mama, she said, that old woman's a hoot. She said, but she had a book. She said, I want that book. They said, well, I didn't notice that, but she got to check, and then there is a book called Strategy, The Battle Plan of Prayer. And it teaches strategies in prayer. And it teaches you how to go to prayer with a strategy and not just get on your knees and open your mouth and start letting things fly. Because when Elijah went to prayer, that it talks about in James, it says Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And that's all he prayed about. He focused. He went to prayer with a plan, with a strategy, and he focused on the one thing for God to shut up the heavens. And when he went before Ahab, he said, Ahab, he said, well, boy, you just messed up. He said, it ain't going to rain, and there ain't going to be no dew on the ground, unless I say so. That's the word. That, that's God's word. 
I said, First Kings 17. Well, he told me, he said, it ain't going to rain, it ain't going to do it unless I say it can. So I don't know if he prayed before or after, but he prayed that God would shut up the heavens. And God shut up the heavens. And it didn't rain and it didn't do for three and a half years until he prayed for God to lift it. So he went to prayer with a battle plan. He went to prayer with a strategy. If you don't know what spirit you're fighting, you can't fight. Now, I used to, before I come to the Lord, I used to watch prize fight, and I loved it. And people can say what they want to, but Cassius Clay, he was a fighter. He had strategy, and he would sit for hours before a fight, and he would study the videos and the movies and the tapes of his opponent. He would study them for hours. He knew their moves. He knew the look in their eye. He knew the way they would turn their head. He knew the way they would hold their hands when they was getting ready to move and strike. And he learned that about everybody he fought. He learned their weaknesses, and he would taunt them with psychology to get them mad, to aggravate them, to get them out of their routine and make them make a move out of anger. And when they did, he was ready because he studied. If you don't know what spirit you're fighting, you don't know how to fight. You don't know how to fight. So you've got to find out, first of all, what you're fighting. Then you've got to learn how that spirit operates. And then you've got to get God by his spirit to give you a strategy and a plan to go to war with this spirit because it's warfare. It's warfare. It all happens right up here. It all happens in your mind. That's the reason the Bible tells us in Romans 12, and I think verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in Ephesians 4, 23, it says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Because if you don't renew yourself in the, in the spirit of God every day, if you don't renew your mind in the spirit of Christ every day, I'm sorry, you, you fix and get your head handed to you. You'll be down on the mat, and they'll be counting to ten on you because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what enemy you're facing. And as Paul said, though this outward man perish, this inward man is renewed day by day. That's the reason this daily relationship with God is so important. It's got to be what God's taken us that we've got to be in total communion with him every day. If it's not, you can't be led by the Spirit. You cannot be led by the Spirit. And 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You look the word sound mind up, it means a disciplined mind. That you discipline your mind to stay on the things of God. Now, Isaiah 26 and 3 said, The man whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, I will keep him in perfect peace because he trusts in me. You want to walk in perfect peace and keep your mind on the things of God. Titus 2 and 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Where do you deny them at? In your mind. Teaching you that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, you can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If you don't learn to keep your mind and discipline your mind, you can't live soberly. You can't live righteously and godly because your mind's not there. Sin, you just, you just do not go out and sin. The seed first has to be planted. The Bible said when, when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When sin is finished, it bringeth bring forth death. 
I'm sorry, but a person just don't go out and commit adultery. That seed has to be planted. They just don't go out and lie and steal. The seed has to be planted. They don't go out and do evil just on the spur of the moment. The seed has to be there. Every man is drawn away when he is enticed by what? His own lust, his own desires. That's plainly what the Word says. God does not tempt man, and man, God cannot be tempted with evil. And Jesus said, and the Word said, Paul said, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 13, he said that no temptation has taken man, but such as is common to man. So whatever's common to man, whatever that lust of the flesh is, whatever that carnal mind, and it's different for everybody. The word lust just means desire. It could be food. It could be a hobby. It could be a habit. It could be hunting, fishing, sewing, computer, Facebook. It could be anything. It could be things for different people. But there's no temptation taken, man, but such as is common to man. Y'all following with me? So the things that appeal to the flesh is what the devil's going to tempt you with. And where he's going to get in is through the emotion. See, in John 14, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, uh, he said, the prince of this world cometh, but he has nothing in me. There's nothing in me that the, the prince of this world can tempt. I've defeated him. I've gotten victory over every lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. In other words, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world you have tribulation, but in me you have peace. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So what's in the world? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So Jesus, as a man, fought the same battles we fight. Had to fight the same lust of the eye, lust of the flesh. Had to fight the same pride of life. What was the first thing the devil said to him when he came out of that wilderness? If thou be the Son of God. Jesus knew he was the Son of God. But Satan tried to get him to prove it. He said, if thou be the Son of God, you're hungry, you ain't eating 40 days, turn them stones to bread. Jesus countered him with the word. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil said, oh, that's how you want to play. So he took him up on the pinnacle of the temple. said, cast yourself down, for it is written. See, the devil come back with the word. For it is written that he's given his angels charge over thee. That's at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone, the angel's going to bear you up. Jesus said, yes, Satan, but it's also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So, it was the word. It was being grounded, founded, settled, and he couldn't let the devil tempt foolish pride to prove he was the son of God because everything he tempted him with, he said, if thou the son of God, if thou the son of God, until when he took him up that high mountain, showed him all the worlds, all the riches, all the power. He said, it's in my power to give you this. Just bow down and worship me. He said, ain't happening, buddy, old boy. He said, Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. So see, you got to know who you are, what you are in Christ, what's been revealed in you, what can be revealed in you, and you've got to go after it. That's the reason I want people prepared for this spirit, because this spirit, it's being revealed. Last year in October, the Lord put the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of this in my spirit. As far as I know, I'm the only one preaching it. Telling people that it, it's not going to be just an outpouring of the Holy Ghost going to shake you and you're going to talk in tongues, but the authority and the spirit of prophecy that was in Moses, that was in Elijah, and that was in Jesus is now going to dwell in you. And when you feel that unction of the Holy Ghost to speak, and my wife will tell you, 
there's times we can be out in public doing things and the Spirit of the Lord will come on me and I feel something and right there in public, it don't matter where it is, what's happening, I'll speak it. I'm moved by the Spirit. You know, Bible said in Judges 14 that when uh, Samson was growing up, said there would be times that the Spirit of God would move him in the camp. From time to time, the Spirit of God would move. I've been working with the Spirit for probably six or seven years now. It started in Fort Payne that I feel it, feel the unction of it. And then just all of a sudden, man, it's like an overwhelming Spirit will come on me and hit me. I can't contain myself. I can't contain myself. I'll speak it. I'll lay hands on somebody. I'll pray the uh, prayer of faith. I'll speak the word of the Lord. It don't matter to me. It don't matter where I'm at. This thing will come on me. It just goes. And we got to learn to be led by the Spirit. Can't do it in yourself. It ain't going to work. It, it, it won't work. So I want y'all to be clear on what we've covered in this spirit of prophecy. Uh, in this, this prophecy. And I want you to go back and listen to it. Now this one is going to be dated. What is, what is this one dated on the sermon.net? Is it 10-28-2017? Do you know? Yes. Is, uh, this is the word of the Lord, the spirit of prophecy revealed, and this is October 27th, which is when God spoke, but I think on the website it's, it's labeled the 28th on sermon.net. Look it up and see, but uh, y'all really need to, it's, it's 25 minutes, but you need to go back and listen to it, and uh, there's two parts of it, I'm just, I'm just dealing with the first part, I read part of the first part, I'm dealing with the second part, where the Spirit of the Lord fell on me, and uh, it's about 25 minutes, but now the one where God spoke on the 9th of December, it's 57 minutes long, I Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's how it is on the sermon.net, which. Uh, but now, according to what we just went over and what I've read and what y'all have listened to, do we have any questions? Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, everything else that's been prophesied by this church 
Okay. Well, I've never heard the term man of cloth used in a prophecy, but it would refer to some type of ministry or some type of sharing of the word. And the only thing you can do is petition the Lord for clarification for your part and then just grow and work in that spirit as God leads you. Uh and I've brought this scriptures out many times. The Lord showed this to me years ago. But if you go to Romans, the first chapter and the first verse, Paul says, I, Paul, called to be an apostle. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the first verse, he said, I, Paul, called to be an apostle. But then in 2 Corinthians, first chapter, first verse, he said, I, Paul, an apostle. So he, he wasn't operating just in the calling are growing into the calling, he had become an apostle. But it probably took him years. See, the Lord has called me to be an apostle. So I am operating in the office of that apostleship as the Lord leads me. But there will be a day that I will step into that, step into that office. Right now, I'm kind of like an apprentice. Kind of like when you welded. You probably had an apprentice or what they call a journeyman or something like that that you had to learn. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. By the Spirit of the Lord, I'm learning. But there will come a day that I won't no longer be an apprentice or a journeyman. I will step into that. So that's where you're at, but you've got to let it work at God's time and by the leadership of the Spirit. And you've got to present yourself to the Lord on a daily basis that God can use you and work what he wants to work in you. And you can't force it. You can't rush it. It's like when Abraham was 75 years old, God spoke to him and said, Sarah's going to conceive and bring forth a son. Sarah hadn't had no kids. Sarah was 65 years old at the time. Even at that time, it doesn't cease to be with her after the man of woman. She had done gone through the change of life. So 25 years later, God spoke to Abraham again. He said, Sarah shall conceive and bring forth a son. He said, but, and it's in Genesis 18, he said, but at the time appointed of the Lord, this is going to happen. So it's got to be at God's appointed time. But we're moving into that season now where God is calling people and he's using people. Uh, you got to be the one to find the leadership of the Spirit of God and to move as the Spirit moves you, and to be led by the Spirit, that's the reason, and that's another reason the daily dedication is so important, because you learn the leadership of the Spirit. There's many voices out there, Brother Brian, many voices, and that's the reason the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, try the spirits. Try the spirits, whether they be of God or not. You've got to learn to try the Spirit. There's many voices that will talk to you. Man, when I first come to the Lord, I had so many voices talking to me. Dear God, there ain't enough room in my head for all them voices. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They'll talk to you. And if you don't learn to weigh them out, I talk to you, it's going to line up with this. It's going to line up with this. It may not line up with a word for word, but it's going to line up with it. In scenario, it's going to line up with it. In leadership, you understand what I'm saying? 
because it says by the Spirit. The Spirit is going to bear witness between us that we are His children. And there, there's people that I meet claim to be children of God, man. It's like oil and water. We just don't mix. <laughs> we just don't mix. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We don't mix. So somebody got the wrong spirit, and it ain't me. <laughs> so that's what you got to learn. You got to learn right from wrong. You got to learn to be led by the spirit. You can't patter, pattern your life after somebody else's ministry. You can let them be an inspiration to you. I've had several ministers that have inspired me over the years to pray and seek God and study and wait, but I had to find my own calling. I had to find what God had called me for. And that's why I said people go, so it doesn't matter. I won't be you. I said, you can't be me. I said, there ain't but one me. And God's placed me in my calling. And that's where I've got to operate, and you don't operate there. And I've had people call me and, and be in difficult situations and say, well, Brother Metter, I need you to tell me what to do. I said, I can't tell you what to do. I said, one reason I can't tell you what to do is I said, you don't have my faith. You can't live by my faith. I can't tell you what to do and say have faith in God and tell you what to do because you don't have my faith. You ain't been tried like I've been tried. You ain't been put to test where I've been put to test. And I may tell you to have faith in God and you don't have what it takes to walk it out. You understand what I'm saying? That's why God has tried me. That's why in 2000 I fell off the roof. That's why in 2003 our house burnt. That's why in 2014 I went to the hospital like to died. But in all those things, God has put me in a trial. And I had a visitation by demon spirit in the hospital. When I come out of the hospital, it was about a week, I told my wife, I said, you don't think I'm crazy? I said, but I can tell you, I said, I don't know what was going on because I went unconscious. For about what 12 14 hours lisa was i unconscious somewhere when they checked me in the hospital about about three or four o'clock next afternoon it was about three thirty four o'clock in the morning and then i was in and out for another 24 hours but it was my sugar my sugar was over a thousand when they put me in when she took me to the hospital and i just i walked in that's the last thing i remember and after that that was huh well I knew when we got to the hospital, she drove me in in a wheelchair. After that, I was gone. I mean, I managed to walk out of the house and get in the car. And she thought, she kept hollering at me. She thought I was going to pass out. She got to the that, that was Monday morning about 3.30. I didn't know nothing about 3.30, 4 o'clock Monday afternoon. But see, God tried me. And somewhere in that time, and I've told her, I said, somewhere in that time that I was unconscious, I said, you don't think I'm crazy? I said, but I'm bruised inside. I said, I have fought some demons. I have fought some powers somewhere. And I said, Lord's going to show me somewhere what I fought. Because Paul said, I fought with the beast of Ephesus. He wasn't talking about wild animals. He's talking about demons. I fought some things. God took me into some things. And I know he did. And there's somewhere God's going to reveal it. Because it was Wednesday morning about 2.30 that I was laying there asleep, and when I opened my eyes, I had a demon spirit standing there beside my bed. And I don't get into it much, but that demon spirit was standing there beside my bed, and that thing wasn't afraid. And the Lord let me see and told me, said, it's been withstood, because it turned and walked away. He said, but 
It wasn't afraid. I could see it wasn't afraid. Very strong spirit. Very powerful spirit. And the Lord let me experience that. But I wrestled some demons somewhere because my spirit was bruised. And the Lord's going to bring it out. But see, all those things where I fell off the roof, went through all that time, having to learn to walk again, having to learn to get back on my feet, walk, stand, had to go through therapy, had to go through a lot of things. Didn't have no insurance, didn't have no income, didn't have no money coming in. But yet God provided for my family for eight months. So, you know, all those things God teaches you. But everybody can't withstand that pressure. God chooses people to withstand pressure. And if God puts you under pressure, He's trying to bring you in something. He's trying to mold you. But you got to learn to stand still. And when I say stand still, I mean stand still up here. And a lot of people can't stand still physically, much less mentally. I mean, you get people and you try to get them still physically, they'll walk the house and climb the walls. You can't get them stand still. And then mentally, you can't get them stand still. Even if you get them still physically, sometimes you got to set on them. But you can get them still physically, but you can't get them still mentally. That's where the Lord said in Psalms 46 and 10, Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. He wasn't talking about be still physically. He was talking about get your mind still. Still your heart. Still your spirit. Get yourself calm. And let me speak to you. Yeah. See, she didn't start working in ministry in Fort Payne probably like 2008. And she went over there. And if you ladies will get with her here. Now, she was a strong influence and done a lot with the ladies in Fort Payne. She'll do the same with y'all here if y'all get behind her. But when we went through the fire in 03, she was nowhere near working in ministry with me. And I called Sister Daniels, which I know y'all don't know her, but she was a prayingest person I ever was around in my life. She, I mean, hours a day that woman stayed on her knees. She passed away two years ago in July. But she told me when I called her and talked to her about the house burning in 03, she said, Brother Metter, she said, this is just further preparation of God getting you ready for you and your wife to work together in ministry. And when she said that, I thought, we don't work together in ministry. <laughs> but see, she knew. She knew by the Spirit. And that was almost four years down the road that we started working together in ministry. But see, the Lord already knew by the Spirit. The Lord had already showed her 
that that was just further preparation, that pressure, that heartache, that sorrow, everything we went there. And if you've never been through a fire, it's like a death. I mean, it, it, it's almost like a death of someone you love. It just brings that kind of a grief because my kids lost everything. We wound up with a little bit of furniture and a few clothes, but our our house was a total loss. And lightning struck. And I wasn't going to ask God why he hit my house with lightning, but we knew it was the hand of God that put us through that trial. Well, she did. But... Okay. You were talking, um, both of you said a few other things. First of all, it was one of the things that really helped me was when you started talking about sermon spirit. And I did, I thought I was the only one in the world that had that happen to me. And I didn't know it was called tormenting spirit. Like, I didn't, I thought it was just me crazy. And it was like, and like things would like come to my mind that weren't even me. Like, I would never even think those kind of things ever in a million and one years. And I mean, thinking back about what it was that they were saying, I can't even remember what they were saying. Because I don't, it wasn't me. And um, it was just, I don't know how I finally got broke of it, but last night we were talking to this gentleman at our house, and it was like, it hit me. They're gone. Like, they just, like, that's the way it happened. Yeah, like, I don't even know when they left or what day it was, or it just, I realized all of a sudden, I don't have that anymore. Like, I have nothing but peace now. It's just like, whew, because yeah. it was tormenting every day yeah. of my life. I'd just be out working in the yard or whatever, and it's like, oh, my God, really? It's real. It's real. It is horrible, and um, it's gone, and so I was able to tell him, And but what I know that I did do is that I was pressing in on the Lord really with all my heart because I didn't want to be this bad person thinking these things. And I was like, God, I want to be pure. I want to be like you. And I just, every night I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd just start praying and praying and praying. I said, God, please make me like you. Please use me for whatever it is you want to use me for. And then I'd start lifting up all of our kids and all the different people and just pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. So I don't know, somewhere along the line, they, I guess, because I guess I resisted the devil. Stay faithful. And, and he pleaded for me. Um, but then you said something else today about how you saw that demon standing next to you mm-hmm. and how we know, like, when we're going into, like, when we're praying and we go into battle, so y'all know, y'all don't know, but I have a daughter who hasn't talked to me in over four years. Okay. So, I'm thinking back, like, and this memory came back to me not long ago when I was talking to Brian that I remembered one night during my marriage to her dad that I woke up and I saw a demon over his side of the bed and I woke him up and I said there's there's something right there and he goes oh don't worry about that he followed me everywhere I go so I knew then okay what is this like and then um we were gonna buy the house it was always in the same month where we were gonna buy this house in a place called Yalaha and that was in Florida so I, we were dealing on the house, and I had this horrible dream in the middle of the night, and I woke up with a curdling scream that my kids on clear on the other side of the house heard me scream. It was very, very real that somebody was going to kill me. Like, it was like they were right there in my face going to kill me. And 
something wasn't right, and I and I hurried up and called the realtor, and I was like, what happened in this house? Did somebody get murdered in this house? No, nobody got murdered in the house. Well, after we bought the house, found out that the one kid uh, that lived there was a, was a psycho, and he was um, in a psycho ward and got out. Somebody else died of a heart attack mowing the grass. Um, somebody um, else got cancer while they were in the house. These are the three people that owned it before me. Then I move into the house, and then my girls get abused by the boy that was my um, stepson. So, and that happened in, in the same room or whatever. Then, so when we went back to the house after I left him, went back to the house with the girls. Well, first of all, I was in the house, and I went through this whole thing with my ex-husband, and and um, he he wanted to keep watching some kind of a bad show on TV. And I said, you need to turn that off right now. And he wouldn't turn it off. And a lightning bolt came through the window and wow. hit the TV. Okay. So he curls up. This is guy six foot two, 275 pounds. He curls up in a ball like a child on the chair, scared to death because this happened. Well, this is all these things happened like within the, a, a few weeks. So then, um, you know, I said, you know, I knew I needed to leave him because all of a sudden he was causing my son, who it respects him with all of his heart now, but causing him to disrespect me. And I looked at him, grabbed his arm, I said, you will not disrespect me ever. And he was about 10 years old. Well, I knew I had to leave because he was right. causing my children to start to disrespect me. Yes. So he, he, we were standing at this one section of the steps. And he spit all over the suit all over me and said, I'm going to put you 10, he goes, I'm going to put you, hit you over the head with a shovel and you're going to be pushing up babies. That's what he said. Oh, wow. So I was scared to death and I hurried up and ran to the room, called, you know, called um, the police and all this stuff. We left the house. When we went back to the house, me and the kids, when we got to go finally back to the house and went, well, then I found out that they were abused after I left the house, found out they were abused. Went back to the house with the kids. The kids, I was gathering some things from the house. They came screaming. They're like right in the spot where he said he was going to hit me on the head of the shovel. And they saw, a, and they didn't even really know about that. But my little girls came running to me with another little girl that didn't even know about this stuff. They saw a skeleton and blood all over that wall right there. And they're like, Mom, Mom, there was a skeleton and blood right there where he had said that. I, I'm just saying this all because this is the battle I'm in against my daughter because she has her father's DNA, okay? okay. So then I didn't know what I, you know, what to do. So, I, you know, I had we hurried up and we left and what have you. Um, so then my daughter, Rachel, there's just been this pull, like, ever since she was a little girl. And she would just, like, at two years old, like, we would be at a daughter's office, and somebody would just be sitting there, and they would just say, um, they would just be looking at her like, isn't she cute, or whatever, you know, how you do. And she'd just look over at them and say, what are you looking at? Like, a two-year-old. Like, yeah. it was like, where did that come from, you know? And then one time, I remember we were in the car driving, and, and Mark broke his collarbone and had his, you know, arm like this, and Mark just adored Rachel. And... Rachel just, he said something to her, and she said, if you don't stop it, I'll break your other arm, too. Like, and she's like, at that point, she's like three years old. Okay, these crazy things like this with Rachel. So, 
I'm thinking something's just not right. Well, then when we finally, you know, we had left the house and everything, that those couple of comments happened when we were still in the house. So then once we left the house and we got to a farm where my a friend of mine had taken me in and we were there for healing, um, there was like, Rachel would wake up in the middle of the night and say, I, I, I see, um, she goes, mommy, mommy, and she's four years old. I see my daddy and he's, he's smiling and happy. And then all of a sudden him and Brandon's face, they're smiling and happy. And then they turned to wolves. And oh, that's what she would see. She would see them as wolves, right? So then he kept on telling her that, I guess, she told me everything had happened to her. Well, then he convinced her somehow along the way that, that she was, these things never happened to her. My other daughter was not his, so he didn't have that influence on her. So she never went to inner healing like Hope did or any of those things. So he made her believe that all these things are made up and that she couldn't trust her own feelings or, you know, believe in what she was saying. So now she's always had this, this trouble believing in herself. So you're saying that we need to know what, like when we go to prayer, yeah. we need to know what demons are fighting. I mean, uh, these are some, let me theory. tell you yeah. what, these yeah. are some really strong, yeah. like these yep. are some hefty demons I'm up against. I mean, this isn't some little, you know, oh, we got a divorce because, you know, we didn't love each other. I mean, this is serious. There was some right. serious spiritual warfare right. going on. Okay. And this is what's got a hold of my daughter. So it sounds to me, though. Yeah. But then she, she did have a couple points in her life where she really came to Lord. She was prophesied over, and they said that she was a rare pearl. Twice they used the word rare pearls, and this was two different prophecies, two different people, two different right. purposes. So I know that there's a calling on her life, okay. but she's got a very, very evil do- dad who's a millionaire who has probably helped her to buy a house, buy their cars. You know, this is what I'm up against right now. So well, I'm just trying like to a, figure this out. a spirit of witchcraft and a, and a lying spirit. I mean, most definitely the lying spirit is talking to her, causing her not to believe in herself, right, and be able to trust her own instincts. That's exactly. a deceiving spirit all yeah. the way around. Yeah. So that's a lying spirit would be something that I guess you could call it. But that's what undermines your own spiritual discernment, her own thoughts and feelings where God's trying to reach her. And, of course, it sounds like the man has been subjected and submitted himself, actually, to witchcraft and participating in some fashion, not like casting spells, but just participating by watching well, that, movies that and movie things was like that. that movie was about levitation. Yeah, when you entertain movies and when you Well, when he left me, the day that I left him, he looked at me, and, and Hope remembers this because she was up, Rachel was sleeping, but Hope and Mark witnessed it, and he said, he said, um, I'm Satan's son, where's your Jesus now? And his eyes turned as red as a fire truck. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like, that's what happened. This guy is so totally just, possessed. Okay, so this you're gonna is what... You're going to fight, but... I, I, this is why... I mean, I haven't run the battle yet. It's been four years. I am up against well, a really not, big battle. The, it's not over yet. You 